Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Book of Revelation, if you're new or visiting... Several months ago, I asked Pastor Durrell to pray about doing the book of Genesis on Wednesday nights. And I said, you know, I'm going to be doing Revelation. Wouldn't that be neat if you're doing Genesis on Wednesday nights and I'm doing Revelation on Sunday mornings? And so that's what we're doing. So we encourage you to come out on Wednesday evenings, get the counsel of God. Um, You can always get the CDs. It's been said by many, many people that if you can understand the first 11 chapters of Genesis, if you can understand them, the rest of the Bible is not a problem. So people have problems with the Bible. So where does it start? It starts with study. It starts with reading. It starts with having a devotional time. It starts with prayer. It starts with asking the Holy Spirit. Because you're not going to be able to figure this out on your own. But as you ask the Holy Spirit, he will show you what you need to know to minister to the people that you're trying to minister to. And if you're called to go to Bible college or called to something else, he'll take care of that as well. But don't be afraid to read your Bible. So we're in chapter 2 of Revelation, uh, if you're new or visiting. Again, we go verse by verse through a book. And so Wednesday night, Genesis, Sunday morning, Revelation. This is entitled, in my Bible, The Corrupt Church. And you'll see why. The Corrupt Church. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, As many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put no other burden, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, very important as we go through, this is in every single church. He who has an ear, spiritual ear. Obviously, we all have two ears. And yes, there may be some hearing problems. And yes, someone may be deaf. It's not speaking of physical, it's speaking of spiritual as we go through these churches. 
He who has a spiritual heart, soul, mind, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. And Lord, we just pray for wisdom and discernment with a vehicle. What a blessing, Lord. What a blessing to me, as your word says, to take care of the orphans, to take care of the widows. That's in your word. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you for the privilege. We would have never known this if they hadn't come. So obviously you're bringing this to our attention for a reason. So, Father, what would you have us to do? What would you have us to give? How would you like that to take place? So, Lord, as we have a need put before us, we just ask your Holy Spirit, because if we lack wisdom, your word says that you'll give us wisdom. So, Lord, we just lack wisdom right now. We, we don't know what to do. But you do. We want to be in your perfect will. So show us individually. Show us as marital couples. Show us as families. As we pray about this as a family. Show us as a church what, we'd have, what you would have for us to do as a church to meet this need to bless these women, to bless their families, to bring the gospel to them, Lord. We just thank you and praise you. And Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching, that you will be glorified in and through your word this morning, even through this corrupt church. This is going to be a hard study. But Lord, it's your word. And this is Jesus speaking. So Lord, give us wisdom and discernment in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, as we continue to study the seven churches listed in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation here, the spiritual insights that we can. If you choose not to, God's not going to kick down the door. If you choose not to have a devotional time, God's not going to kick down the door. But if you want to grow in your faith, in the faith, it does take time. It does take time. And so the spiritual insights that we can gather from each church are vital to our Continual growth as a fellowship as well as individuals. You see, the Lord brings to light the good as well as the bad aspects of church life. Why? Why would he do such a thing? So that each church, including Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek in 2023, that each church would be strengthened and could mature in the faith. And as we look back, we found that Ephesus could be classified as the church that lacked sincere love, agape love. Smyrna could be classified as the persecuted church. Pergamos could be classified as the compromising church. Jim, why don't you throw that, that slide up? And now we come to the church in Thyatira, as you saw last week. You see where Israel is on your far right. The seven churches are up towards 11 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock. So uh, Pergamos could be classified as a compromising church. And now we come to the church in Thyatira, and it could be classified as the corrupt church that held on to false teaching. We'll leave that slide up there for a second. Thyatira is located roughly 45 miles southeast of Pergamos and 25 miles northwest of Sardis. Sardis is going to be the church we're going to talk about next week. Feel free to read ahead. Alexander the Great established this city as a Macedonian colony after the destruction of the, by the Persian Empire. It was rich in agriculture as well as, as well as known for its manufacturing of purple dye. 
Now, this might cause your mind to remember a gal by the name of Lydia. We find her in Acts chapter 16, which states that she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. In the Bible, this is the only time that this city is mentioned outside of Revelation. There were many other trades within Thyatira, of course, and each trade, think about this, each trade had a deity that they would worship, each trade. And so I worship the deity of my trade, or I will possibly lose my job. This is what the people of that day and age had to deal with when they became a Christian. When they became educated in the truth, they had to deal with that fact. I either worship the deity of my trade, or I will possibly lose my job. Does that sound familiar over the last three years? Well, last two years. It took however many months to develop a vaccine, which is impossible to do. It's not a vaccine. It takes 7 to 11 years to develop a vaccine. It was a shot. It was a shot. Trust the politicalization of science, or you will use, lose your job. That's still happening today. Science and the abuse thereof became a god. Well, in Thyatira, the deity would bless the trade, another superstition that the early church believers had to deal with. How many of your family members maybe ostracize you or are ostracizing you because you don't believe in science? Because you don't believe in the shots? Trust in Jesus. And if he told you to get the shot, get the shot. That's between you and God. But don't let anybody say we don't trust in science. We believe in science. You might want to ask them a question. Oh, you believe in science? Absolutely. When does life begin? That will end the conversation very quickly. Because if they say from conception, oh, you're pro-life. Don't you have to be pro-life if life begins at conception? In Arizona, I mentioned it to you last week. I looked up the bill. It's going to get the signatures. It's going to get the signatures because we see our state changing. If it gets the signatures, then it's going to be on the ballot next year in November for yay or nay to make an amendment to the state's constitution that an abortion is the legal right for anyone at any time for any reason including partial partial birth abortion. Now, maybe you don't know what a partial birth abortion is, but a partial birth abortion is when the baby's head comes out of the mother's womb, they stop the baby, they take an instrument and puncture it into the spinal cord of the baby, cutting the spinal cord and thus killing the child. But because it wasn't born, it wasn't a human being. Just ask some basic questions about science. Oh, you believe in science, do you? Let's have a conversation right here, right now. Put them in their place, because we do believe in science. Marriage is between what? One genetic male, one genetic female. That's science. We would not be here today. None of us in this room would be here today if you didn't have a dad and a mom. None of you. So, you know, we believe in the science. Well, Ezekiel... 
What do we got? Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. As you're turning there, I'm going to write, I'm going to read Revelation 2.18. And to the angel, to the messenger, to the pastor of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. The letters were written to pastors. Ezekiel 34, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. This would be pastors. This would be the overseer. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force, speaking to the pastors, the shepherds, and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth. And no one was seeking or searching for them. As you're listening to this, bring it up to today. This is speaking to the pastors of today. The overseers of any church. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, speaking to the pastors even today, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. Looking back in Revelation. James 3.1 says this, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Jesus instructed Peter in the Gospel of John in John 21.17, Feed my sheep. Feed. And I take this seriously, and so you might not agree with what I have to say about something, and that's okay. But it's my responsibility to challenge you all with the truth, no matter how uncomfortable that truth may be, as we'll see this morning. You see, Revelation is a book that shows us the judgment of God. But he always gives ample opportunity for sinners, as well as saints, to repent. We're seeing this as we move into this next church. As we look at Revelation, this is the only time in Revelation that Jesus uses the term, notice, Son of God, in verse 18 there. 
He once again proclaims his deity. Mormons do not proclaim this. Jehovah Witnesses do not proclaim this. Islam does not proclaim this. Hinduism, the isms do not proclaim this. You don't need to study for 10 years various religions. Just go to the heart. Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus to you? Who's Jesus to your religion? You'll save yourself a lot of pain. And since he is the literal son of God, that would make him God. I personally don't have a problem with that. I accept it as truth. And since all judgment has been given over to him, as we've already studied in previous studies, he is going to execute judgment on this church. It's his church. He had already given them time to repent, which they didn't do. And now it was time for judgment to take place. You know, it's always best to repent before the Lord needs to take the next step in his disciplinary process. As a believer this morning, if you know you're living in willful disobedience, it's always best to repent before the Lord needs to take the next step in his disciplinary process. You see, the Lord delights in pouring forth his grace. He extends his mercy for a great season at times. But he will not only pronounce judgment, he will also execute judgment when the believer continues in an unrepentant state. This is the case with this church in Thyatira. As we look at verse 1, his eyes were like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. We've covered this in previous studies. But for a reminder, the eyes tell the truth of a person's soul. And Jesus has the ability to see through the outside facade and know all of the hidden truths of our lives. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man, woman, every person, according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You see, he has a penetrating gaze. They will not be escaped by those who stand in front of him. Brass, as we look at brass here, his feet like fine brass. <clears throat> brass in the Bible typically represents judgment. So his feet are able to search out the one who is to be judged. There's no hiding from the God of the universe. So stop trying if you are. Just surrender. Surrender to his mercy and allow his grace to cover your sins. Verse 19, a great commendation. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. I, have, I actually have that verse highlighted. I encourage you to highlight your Bible. Mark it up. Write in it. This commendation is pretty impressive. There were some in this church that were filled with the Holy Spirit and were producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, service, faith, patience. And that the evidence of their works, this is a tremendous commendation, was more active within the church now than at the early stages of the church. Notice that godly love was present and that they had patience, which is not an easy trait. Some people say, well, don't, you know, if, don't, if you don't have patience, don't pray for patience. Don't do that. That is dumb. If you don't have patience, pray for patience. 
Get into your Bible and look up scriptures about patience, long-suffering. Look up gentleness. Look that up. Don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Losing your patience? Gain patience. They were walking by faith and allowing their faith to produce in them a life of heavenly works. Yeah, I'm sure most of you have heard this phrase. Maybe the young ones haven't, but don't be so heavenly-minded that you're of no earthly good. Personally, I think if you're not heavenly-minded, I don't see how you're going to be of any earthly good. Because everybody's going to die. Statistically, 10 out of 10 people still die. Leave them a billion dollars, they're going to die. Leave them a big house, they're going to die. What do we want to leave them with? What we sang this morning. Jesus. Jesus. It's about Jesus. Your family members might not like it. Mine don't. But leave them Jesus. The purity of these attributes listed here can only come through the Holy Spirit. So if you're looking to to become more like Jesus and you have things that are holding you back, don't be afraid of the Word of God. Dive into the Word of God. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Ask for more of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He said, ask, seek, knock for more of the Holy Spirit. My Father will give give Him to you. And for some in the church in Thyatira, this is a tremendous compliment. Unfortunately, Jesus quickly brings a rebuke to the forefront for the sin of the many. Please hear this. For the sin of the many was even greater than the works of the few. Again, this says something about a church. There can be those within a church. Think of church today. Churches in our community, churches in our state, churches in this country, churches around the world. There can be those within a church that are serving the Lord. They love Jesus. And they want to do what God would have them to do. But if the majority of the church is compromising, there's a very serious problem. I was raised in a Roman Catholic church. I became born again. My wife and I became born again in the spring of 1978. We remained Roman Catholics. People would bash us on a regular basis. You're a Roman Catholic? Don't you know that's the harlot in Revelation? Okay, so what? I, you know, I love Jesus. You calling me a harlot? What do you, what's up with that? But as I grew and matured and sought the word and started talking to the priests, and I found out that if it comes down to church teaching and the Bible, church teaching supersedes the Bible. A majority of the church is compromising on the word of God for a system. There are some believers in there, very few. But once you come to the realization, you're going to want to get out. It's a very serious problem. Mormons, same thing. You ask them, you want to go to a desert? I'm going to send you to a deserted island and you get one book to take with you. The Book of Mormon or the Bible, which one are you going to take? 100% of the time, if not a Jack Mormon, if they are a sold-out Mormon, 100% of the time they're going to say the Book of Mormon. That's a problem. Islam, Torah, the Bible, You burn the Torah, I'll burn your house down. You burn a Bible, good. You know, it was pointless anyways. It's a worthless book. Not Torah, Quran, sorry. You burn a Quran, they'll burn your house down. You burn a Bible, eh, worthless book. Who cares? Guys, this is reality. This is the days we're living in. We want to be very, very careful. Even in this church, if this church goes south, get out. 
Go find another church. Verse 20, Revelation 12, 20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Here we find an interesting woman within the church that is called out by the Lord. You see, Jezebel is her name and heresy is her game. She called herself a prophetess. She was self-proclaimed. But the fruit of her life was far from being a servant of the Lord. She was a servant of demonic forces that were out to destroy the church. You see, Jesus told his disciples in Caesarea Philippi that the demonic forces of hell themselves would not be able to prevail against the church. And that's why we still have a church today, because this is not new. But that doesn't mean that they will not try and try they did within this church. Unfortunately, the pastor had fallen asleep and he was allowing a woman to teach heresy within the church. The demonic forces had found a willing vessel in a woman who was spiritually called Jezebel. We don't believe her literal name was Jezebel. But as you do a study on Jezebel, you'll figure out why Jesus says Jezebel. This woman was bringing false teaching into the church, and the church was accepting it. And she is going against specific scriptures related relative to the Gentiles, found in Acts 15, the beginning of the church, when there was confusion over, hey, you know what? The Gentiles are receiving Jesus. And some of the Jews were saying, well, that's great, but they need to be circumcised. Hello. I don't think I want to receive Jesus if i got to be circumcised. I'll find another religion. So they came together to argue this, and they came to the realization, no, that's not what it's all about. It's about Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. But they gave these recommendations. They said, therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. But they write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols. In other words, don't get into idol worship. If you place anything above God, your children above God, And we have had people leave this church because I do not want children in the sanctuary. They're distracting. They're cute. The children are not the problem. The adults are the problem. Because I can get distracted, even teaching. When I see a child in here and the parent is, you know, trying to keep the child quiet or feed the cracker or play a game or whatever, I'm like, why are you even in here? You're not getting anything out of this service. And you're distracting 10 to 20 people around you. Now, you don't love kids. I don't. I hate kids. I hate them. I hate them. Just so you know, I hate them. Give me a break. I had four of them, and they're still alive. Because of my wife. Not because of me. Because of my wife. we got 14 grandchildren. Come to our house. It's a jungle gym. It's, it's so silly. Why do we come to church? To learn, to grow, to become more like Jesus. If you, can't, if you can't leave your kids for an hour and a half, they're an idol. You've created an idol. Time to grow up. You need to know the word so that someone comes along and try. Oh, I didn't finish it. Uh, abstain from polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled. So in other words, if you're driving home today and you see a dog laying on the side of the street, don't get out and grab it and take it home for dinner. That's what that's saying. And from blood. Don't 
drank blood. I mean, that's, that's pretty basic stuff. So you need to know the word so that someone comes along and tries to teach you something about the word that you're able to identify the false teaching or, as we've studied, heresy. Oh, it's okay to live together. Oh, it's okay to have a homosexual relationship. Oh, it's okay to be trans. You're just a Bible nut. You're a homophobiac. She's seducing those within the church. Seducing means to cause to stray, to lead astray, lead aside from the right way. You see, when we step back and look what's coming against a traditional family unit in America, let alone the whole world, guys, what is coming against the family unit? It's insane. This wasn't happening 30, 40 years ago. We knew what a family unit was. Now we don't know what a family unit is because we can't define woman. And a woman you can't say is a mother, she's an egg carrier. God, this, is, this is real. Supposedly the really smart people in our culture are saying, oh, no, no, we can't call her a mother anymore. She's an egg carrier. What? You know, now with taxpayers' dollars, they're trying to insert uteruses into males? Jesus is coming back, guys. Jesus is coming back. This is reality. Why are you talking about this on Sunday morning? Do any of you go to work? Do any of you have neighbors? Do any of you have family members? And how many of those people are just going, well, you know, live and let live? Really? Really? You think it's okay for preschoolers to be taught to question their gender? You're okay with that? Most states are okay with that, guys. Just so you know, most states are okay with that. In America, I'm not talking about a third world country. Third world country, they laugh at us. They laugh at us. You go to a third world country and ask them, what is a woman? They go, why are you asking that? We got lots of women around here. Oh, in America, we don't know what women are. They start laughing. You're supposed to be a smart country and you don't know what a woman is? Come to Africa. We'll show you what a woman is. It's unbelievable. What's coming against the word of God? It's all about sex and gender and how we should view sex and gender. We need to call it what it is, demonic, straight from the pit of hell. And this woman is teaching acceptance and endorsement thereof. Now let's be really careful with this and not go to the extreme that ladies cannot be used by the Lord in the church. They have been and still can be used mightily by the Lord. And I'll say this on a regular basis. If it wasn't for Claudia, this church would not be what it is today. I know that. She's been used mightily by the Lord with this church. It would not be what it is today without Claudia. So don't go on any extremes. But here at Calvary, we do not see any scriptures that allow women to teach the general assembly. In other words, a woman to come up here on a Sunday morning and do a Bible study. Don't see that in the scriptures. Can women be pastors? No, women cannot be pastors. <gasps> that offends me. Well, read your Bible. Let the Bible offend you. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Hang in there a while. I'll offend you somehow, some way. I mean, that's just the way it is. But just so you get the bigger picture, there are also restrictions placed upon the pastor. Read your Bible. Upon the deacons, upon the overseers. You see, God is a God of order, so we try to follow that order as close as possible. In a loving way. You see, it appears that this church gave a teaching position to a woman, and this woman was seducing the church with false doctrine. 
Jesus says Jezebel. We find that name in the Old Testament associated with a wicked woman who was married to a wicked king in Israel's history known as Ahab. This Jezebel of the Old Testament was used by our spiritual enemy to introduce the practice of idol worship to the ten northern tribes. We can, we see her, we, you can see her various wicked deeds in 1 Kings 19 and 1 Kings 21. One of her wicked deeds was murder. She murdered various servants of the Lord in order to place her own servant, false servants of Baal or Baal, however you like to pronounce it, Baal or Baal, in their place. She encouraged sexual worship to the nation of Israel and was known for her brutality. I mean, she was definitely not a Proverbs 31 woman. So this woman leader in Thyatira brought sexual immorality as well as idol worship into the church. And the church's pastor and elders condoned it. Is that possible today? Well, we don't want to offend any women. Let the women, you know, let the women come in and run the church. Not this church. Ain't going to happen here. The Holy Spirit's going to run the church. And the Holy Spirit's going to tell us how to run the church through the Word of God. It's that simple. Not what I feel like running it. We're going to go to the Word of God. So if you have that opinion, bring me a Bible study that verifies that women can be pastors and overseers of the church. Then we'll have a Bible study. Otherwise, it's just your opinion. I really don't care about your opinion. I care about the Word of God. Bring the Word of God. My opinion doesn't matter. It's the Word of God. You see, the Bible teaches us clearly we are to worship the one true God alone and that sex outside of marriage is wrong. I mean, why is it wrong? The world, our culture is saying it's okay because it hurts those involved, yourself and the other person that you're having sex with, as well as those who might be watching your witness, maybe children involved, the church as a whole. You see, it also grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And that should be the most important reason to stop that type of behavior. You see, our culture has elevated sexual pleasure to the point of idol worship. There is no God. Go out and do what you want to do. Whatever makes you happy. But in the Bible, it's called fornication if you're not married. And it's called adultery when you are married. You see, a person can find a lot of information on that throughout the whole word of God. And that would definitely benefit your walk with the Lord. Here's just one verse that sums it up really well. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You've been set apart by God, so you should set apart your body for God's use. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, your own body, in sanctification and honor. So that does away with fornication, and that does away with adultery. But there's many other verses as well. This applies to both men and women. And I know there are many men and women who are struggling in this area. You see, fornication is not a blessing upon the believer, but will actually bring defeat upon the believer as well as the unbeliever and cause tremendous sorrow for all the parties involved. Don't buy into the idol worship of this world, placing sex above your relationship with God, because it's a no-win situation. Verses 21 through 23, and I gave her time to repent. Notice that. The Lord says, I'm long-suffering. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. In other words, she knew, the church knew, and it's not like, well, we didn't know. No, the church knew, and the church still didn't repent. 
And she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. I have this highlighted. Unless they repent of their deeds. So when you read Revelation, you want to remember God is long-suffering. This is not a time to go out and wipe out the earth and be laughing about it. You know, God's not up there laughing. Go, ah, I'm going to kill three and a half billion people in the first three and a half years. This is going to be so awesome. He's not doing that. He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to spend eternity away from him. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches, all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now, this is not for salvation. Salvation's off the table. Get past that. This is works, which we'll get to here in a few minutes. The Lord always gives room for repentance. He is long-suffering. And symbolically, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I say symbolically because when you need mercy in the afternoon, you don't have to wait till the next morning. You need mercy in the evening? Well, you know, I just got to wait till tomorrow because the Lord's mercies are new tomorrow. No, 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 no. It's just symbolic. He's merciful throughout the day. But when, I don't know about you, I love the morning. I like being up early. Uh, I love rain. I love these cloudy days. You know, I love going out and seeing a sunrise. So majestic. I love seeing a sunset. That's That's what it's emphasizing. Remember the beauty. But that doesn't mean... I should go out and test the Lord through a life of willful disobedience just because the Lord is merciful and His grace is abundant. Here we see a firm warning about sin and what is going to happen to those who commit sin. This death appears to be eternal separation from the Heavenly Father forever. You see, these people, who is he writing to? He's writing to the church. So these people within this church say they're a part of the church. They were a part of the church, but were not even saved. Jesus says that I'm going to use the false doctrine of this church as an example to all the other churches. And that's what the seven churches are all about. Unfortunately, there are many churches today who hold a similar doctrine. They place sexual issues above the word of God. And by doing so are committing sexual, spiritual idolatry. How the church needs to have discernment these days we're living in. But notice that the fact that sex is committed on a bed and that the bed becomes a place of illness instead of pleasure. God designed sex for pleasure as well as for procreation. It's like the analogy, you probably all heard it, but if you haven't, it's like a fire. A fire is great in the fireplace. You bring the fire out onto the living room rug, you're going to have an issue. Keep it in marriage. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. Don't let anything, and if you have a TV, I'm going to really step on some toes, so you might want to put your feet underneath your chair. If you have a TV in your bedroom, get it out of your bedroom. Recommendation. I'm sorry, that sounded like a command. I would highly recommend that you get it out of your bedroom. Your bedroom should be undefiled. And that sewer pipe is bringing a lot of trash in. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Notice as well that the word tribulation means thrown into great distress. You see, Jesus was saying, severe judgment is imminent. Repent now. Jesus is saying, well, you know, in a few years, and a few decades, you know, maybe by the 1900s I'll deal with you. No, no, Jesus is saying, it's imminent. You better repent now. 
The truth will set them free for those who remain disobedient. For those who are not seeking after the truth, they will die eternally in their sins. Verse 24 and 25. Now to you I say, as the music team comes up, and to the rest in Thyatira, as as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan. How can we remain away from the depths of Satan? We stop it at the door. And if it gets past the door, into the pew, into the chair, we're going to address it. We're not sin sniffers. We're not sin police. But if it comes to the surface, we're going to deal with it according to the word of God. Not according to our emotions or my opinion. We're just going to go to the Word of God. Well, what does the Word of God say? And if there's no repentance, then the Word of God says, there's the door. Go bless some other church. We have to make sure that we stay with the Word of God. As they say, I will put no other burden, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. Very important. You see, Jesus was not interested in making the lives of the true believers more difficult. He was exhorting them to press on and remain faithful. And that's for you and I as well this morning. 26, 27. And he who overcomes, and we've learned, but maybe this is your first study, an overcomer is someone who has received Jesus as their Savior. That's an overcomer, okay? So, and he who overcomes, the believer, and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. I believe that this is in reference to a thousand-year reign of Jesus upon his second coming to this earth. Psalm 2, we're going to go really fast. I will declare the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. See, during that time, there will be perfect harmony within the church. But until then, the spirit of Jezebel can come in and seduce any church, and not just through a woman, obviously, through a man or a woman. A church can find themselves caught up in idolatry, fornication, following a doctrine that is totally ungodly, just to be accepted by the current culture. You see this happening in America at all? You see it happening around the world? More than following the word of God, that will lift them above the culture in their daily lives. It's a sad situation. But what is the work of God? We just read about the work of God. John 6, 28, 29. They said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? These were people that wanted to do something for God. And maybe you're here this morning, you want to do something for God. Yes, there's lots of things to do. But in this culture, in this day and age, this is the most important thing that we need to do right here. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. This is the work of God. Everything else will come from this that you believe in him whom he has sent. We love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? I I didn't plan that. That just happened. I've never done it before. Probably never ever do it again, except at the second service. That was kind of fun. (laughs) But here's the work of God, guys. Do you believe in Jesus? Then read, read your Bible. And what he said is true is true. It doesn't change. He shall rule them, read that, and I will give him the morning star. Jesus is in reference in Revelation twenty two sixteen as the morning star. Guys, when we take our last breath on this earth and we take our first breath in him, believers, we're going to step in front of the throne of Jesus. We're going to see Jesus face to face. The Bema seat. I believe that's the Bema seat right in there. And there's going to be tears. All of us, every believer in this room, we're going to have tears. I could have done more. I should have done this. I could have done that. Why didn't I do that? But God, Jesus is going to wipe away those tears and say, it's okay. You're here. It's okay. 
look at what you did do over here. And he's going to show us all those rewards that we did in the name of Jesus. Things that we don't even know about. I'll give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the exhortation for you and I this morning. We cannot allow the culture to corrupt the church. The pastor is going to do our part. I ask you to do your part. That doesn't mean be a sin sniffer. That means if something happens, you address it. Matthew tells us you go to that person privately, one-on-one. You go to that person privately. Then you bring two or three to that individual in the church. If they don't repent, then you bring it. So many times people will come to me first. I'll go, did you go talk to them? Well, I can't do that. Well, why do you expect me to do it? This is secondhand information. If you're not going to do it, why should I do it? And how can I do it? Is this the telephone game? You only got to do that one time and get burned. You learn really quick. When somebody says, that's not what I'm doing. I don't know why you're talking to me. You go, I don't know either. I am so sorry. I will never do that the rest of my born days. Do it one time. You'll figure it out real fast. Direct the person. Go back. You love them. Go back. You hate them. Don't bother. Father, we thank you and praise you for the day. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and that you give us your Holy Spirit. Jesus said, judge. But take the beam out of your own eye first, that you might remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, Lord, we are to judge, and we're to judge with grace and mercy, because Jesus is judging the church right here, right now. He's saying, you better repent, or I'm going to throw you into a sickbed. You're going to have tremendous tribulation. So, Lord, we don't want anything to do with that. We want to be the remnant that is loving you and, and caring for those. And, as, and again, Lord, as, as this need has been brought to us about this uh, vehicle that you'd have to, to bring to this ministry to support these widows and, and these, some of these grandmothers that are taking care of the kids, Lord, give us wisdom. It's your money not ours. And I pray for continued wisdom, Lord, as they go back, that you'd give them even further wisdom. And Lord, I pray for favor. You ask not, you have not because you ask not. So Lord, I pray that you give them favor with the government and that the government give them 100 acres, 200 acres, 300 acres, whatever it is, that the Lord just says, you know what, you're, you're, you're doing a good thing here. This is all yours. We're deeding it to you. And, Lord, that they'd be able to use those acres for whatever it might be, horse breeding, cows, pigs, whatever it might be, to bless that whole community for your glory. And that hundreds and thousands would come to know Jesus as their Savior through that ministry. In Jesus' precious name, amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.